Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Stories for Hope podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I just want to start off by saying thank you for joining us. This is our very first podcast, and we are excited to get the opportunity to share some amazing stories with you. First, I'd like to explain a bit about who we are and what we're about. Stories for Hope is a podcast run by Hope for Kids International. Uh, We are a nonprofit that has been restoring hope around the world. We are committed to serving children living in impoverished environments by establishing economic, spiritual, water, educational, and feeding programs. In addition to these programs, we have been leading teams of volunteers on short-term mission trips. Our vision is healing and empowering communities to break the cycle of poverty. The number four in Hope for Kids International stands for our four pillars of hope, which are health, dignity, joy, and love. This year is actually our 50th anniversary. It all began with our founder and president, Tom Egum, um, as he was smuggling Bibles into the Soviet Union in the 70s. To celebrate these 50 years of ministry, uh, we want to share some amazing stories of hope and inspire you to bring hope to those in need. In today's episode, Tom's going to share about that first trip that he had into the Soviet Union and the family he met who inspired him to find hope in any circumstance. Let's hear from Tom. 1971, I made my first trip into the Soviet Union and was trained under Brother Andrew, uh, his organization in Holland, um, who was the author of The God Smuggler. And I love the stories because he'd say he'd drive up to the border in his Volkswagen and have Bibles in the back seat and the guards would look in and he'd pray, Lord, uh, when you saw blind people, um, you made them see. Now when you see seeing guards, make them blind. So we literally did that. I had a friend of mine, uh, we bought a, a hippie van, a Volkswagen, you know, van bus thing, you know. We bought it in Holland and then drove all over Scandinavia and then into the Soviet Union through Finland. And that's exactly what we did. We had Bibles and uh, we prayed that the border guards would not find them. And uh, the first trip, I think we only took 10 Russian Bibles and we had them stuck down in our pants. And and um, then we had literature and stuff in our suitcases and stuff. But when we came to the border, they made us get out. And so we're out and they said, empty everything out of your van. So can you imagine? We got Bibles stuck in the pants. We're moving, moving things, you know, out. And then they came to us and they started searching the vehicle. And they actually ran wires up into the ceiling to see if we'd concealed anything in the ceiling. They took the side panels, but they were kind of cardboardish, you know, on the on the doors, took them and looked down in there. They even put a uh, some kind of a scope down in the gas tank to see. And then there was a, if there was anything in the gas tank, and then there was a pit underneath, they searched the bottom. Well, we saw them ahead of us searching, then they put the people up against their car and do the pat. And you know, that, that was, I'd like to say I was like all fired up and thinking, yeah, you know, but I, you know, I was, I'm sure my voice was a few octaves higher than it is now. But anyway, what was amazing was when it came to that, they never opened our suitcases and they never hand padded us. And they handed our visas back, our passports and said, on your way. And I'm telling you, my friend Brad and I, when we were driving, we didn't say a word. Cause you know, you're thinking, what just happened? That was not anything on my, um, you know, that I tricked them or anything like that. It was there for them. And I really felt like God answered our prayer. 
So that was our first border crossing. There are many, many border crossing stories over the years. But um, what impacted me, again, like I said earlier about, I went for the danger and the thrill, but then you meet the people and it just, your heart just says, I wanna do whatever I can. And we visited a Baptist church in Moscow and there were, most churches were, the, Stalin had literally closed thousands of churches uh, in like uh, Leningrad and in Moscow. And there was like two Baptist churches left and one was quite famous. And part of it was they left that open because the constitution guaranteed the freedom of religion. And then we went there and we were ushered in, we sat up in the balcony and and while I was sitting up there, I noticed a young girl, she ended up to be 14 years old, and her father looking in the door from outside and looking up at us. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And and then afterward, we were outside, and people were you know, milling around and stuff, nobody talked to us, but the girl came up and said, um, uh, I must speak with you, but I cannot talk here. Meet me down and to the left. So I got a hold of Brad a little later and I said, let's, let's go. And so we started walking down the direction we'd seen her go and ended up that um, uh, these were believers, the young girl and her father. And when we got to a park quite a ways away, um, we stopped and talked and they said, are you believers? And we said, yes. And she said, well, um, we need to visit with you. Do you have bread? And bread is the bread of life. You know, that's scripture. And I said, yes, but how do you know? Again, we've been trained. The KGB can do this. You know, they can, they can act like a believer and, you know, arrest you or whatever. So I was very skeptical. And I said, well, how do you know uh, we're Americans? And she said, oh, at first, oh, she said, um, Last night, my papa was praying and God told him American boys will bring bread. And I said, well, how do you know we're Americans? We had to cut our hair really short like Europeans were at that time, wore these European suits that we'd actually brought in for believers. So we thought we were like incognito, you know. <laughs> and so um, she said, well, at first we thought you're from the Ukraine. But then she said, the spirit of Christ in me uh, bore witness, the Spirit of Christ in you, and we knew you were the two. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm like, up to that point, I thought, here I am, this like hero, smuggling Bibles, and I'm going to help these poor people. And that was the instant that I thought, whoa, what is this? Well, the border also, but I mean, what is this? And she said, we cannot talk here. You follow us on, this, uh, on a, a tram. And we followed them on a tram. And then they brought us to their home. They had to be very, they said, walk behind us, make some distance, you know, all that. And got in their place. And then they just, then they just opened up and said, we're so glad you're here. They started serving us. Uh, I'll never forget the tea and beet jam. <laughs> First time I'd had beet jam. But anyway, that started the relationship of, hearing a story of this young girl who refused to join the pioneers, which is the young communist party, which you still see in communist countries around the world today. And um, you wear a uniform, you know, to school and she didn't have the uniform, her teacher mocked her. 
made her stand up front, said, why aren't you in the pioneers? And she said, it's because I believe in Jesus. And they mocked her and, you know, all that. And she said her teacher even slapped her in the face and said, deny Jesus. And she said, I wouldn't. And, and, and then her father was a professor at the University of Moscow. And his, his uh, study was all about Lenin. That was kind of his expertise and, and taught Leninism and, and, uh, he became a believer. And so he lost his job at the university, which was common. And she was removed from school. And then her little brother was taken away uh, and to be educated properly. And that was common. This was not an unusual story. And they were just talking about the heartbreak of losing the little boy. And again, it was so long ago, I don't remember exactly how old he was, but four or five years old, something like that. And, and she said one day, almost a year later, they contacted them and said, we, you can receive your brother back. And they went to, I think it was like a hall of justice or something like that. And they went there and they saw an official with a young boy on the steps. And she said, I ran to hug and kiss him. But right when I arrived, they took him away. She said, I'm not sure if it was my brother or not. But then they tried to use that and say, okay, if you want, then you sign these paper, you deny, you know, you do this, all that. And uh, so the heartbreak that they shared, but the joy, this girl, Natasha, had this uh, uh, musical ability. She actually, it was kind of surprising. Here's this tiny little Russian girl, and she's got a guitar, and her father was educated in music also, and he's like coaching her to sing, and out comes this operatic voice. And you're like, whoa. And it was all songs she wrote. And just one other little story with them. Later, the next day or two days later, or something like that, we met uh, in the rural part of town and, and then went into the forest. And, and they felt more free there to praise and, and sing and stuff. And while we were there, she started singing the song Hallelujah to the Edelweiss um, tune. And that really hit me. Because I thought, you know, it was a song we sang in the Jesus Movement in California, and it was popular at that time. And here in the forest in the Soviet Union, and I realized we're one, you know. The, the Spirit has taught them, you know, a song that we sing all over the world. You know, it just, it was so moving that uh, I, I just felt like this bond. And I'd say that was... You know, another one of those things that just solidified that this was not going to be my only trip, that I was going to continue to be involved. I was going to try to help hearing uh, believers in prison, believers put in psych wards, um, you know, just those kinds of stories personalized it. So I, I uh, it was a life changer, 1971. Wow. Thank you, Tom. You know, the family in this story is an inspiration for all of us and a reminder that God is always with us, even in the hardest times. Can you imagine losing your job, your education and losing a family member, having a family member kidnapped, essentially all because you chose to believe in God? And despite all of these things, all these hardships that this family went through, uh, we learn that the family continues to have hope in God and his bread of life, his word. 
It's just truly, truly amazing and such a wonderful story to kick off this podcast. I don't know about you, but I am so inspired to continue to find the hope that is in God and and in our relationship with him and in his word. And I pray that you are as well. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. You know, um, if this inspired you to want to learn more about how you can bring hope to others, uh, you know, potentially through some of our programs such as sponsorship, clean water, education, or legacy gift, uh, you can get connected with us at h, the number four, ki.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a blessed day.